0: Well, all right, guys, here we go. Today is my absolutely favorite day that we get to celebrate as a church because today is Baptism Sunday. How many of you guys are excited, 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 fired up, passionate? Ready for Baptism Sunday. Today is so special and important to us because today is the day that we get to see life change happen right here in front of us. Baptism Sundays are so important because it reminds us why we do what we do. Baptism Sundays are the reason for everything that we do here as a church. It just reminds us of, of why we gather, of why we preach, of why we worship. It reminds us why we have have community groups. It reminds us why we serve, why you greet at the door, help people park their car, why you work with the kiddos, why you run sound in the back, why you're on the worship band, while you do what you do. This is the reason that we do it, because we get to see life change happen. And here's the good news, is that life change is not only possible, life change is also available, and life change happens here every single week. And so on baptism Sunday. We're going to laugh. We're going to celebrate. We're going to clap. We're going to get really loud. We're going to raise our hands. We're going to cheer these people on because each person who's going to step in those waters today, they have a story about how Jesus has loved them, how Jesus has saved them, how Jesus has changed their life because that's what it means. We here at Redemption, we exist to see a gospel-centered movement in the heart of the city where every man, woman, and child can experience. experience life changed through Jesus. And so I'm fired up. I don't know if you can tell or not, but I'm just jacked. Because I love seeing Jesus change people's lives. I mean, we've had several stories of of people who have experienced life change through Jesus, but let me just tell you a couple that really stand out to me. The first is a girl named Keely. Keely was actually the very first person who ever got saved in the history of our church. It was like three years ago, long, long time ago, back when we met in the bar downtown, and we were having our preview gatherings before we ever even opened our doors to the public. We're just trying to set up and tear down and see if we can actually do this thing called a, a, a church. And so, Keely came to one of the very first preview gatherings, and she had a camera, and I thought, oh, hey, this girl, she's got a camera. Let's get her some, take some pictures, so that way we can be able to have documents of our service, and so I, I said, hey, would you like to take pictures for us? I'll, I'll give you 20 bucks, and she had a nice little Nikon camera that she got for Christmas, and she said, okay, and then she, she took pictures, and the next week, she came back, and I was like, hey, would you like to take pictures again? And she said, yeah, I'll do that, and then the next week, she came back, and the next week, she came back, and then eventually she's like, Byron, you don't have to keep paying me to take pictures. Because now I want to be here. And so she gave her life to Jesus. And then, and then after that, she started getting in a community group and she went through next steps and after that, she she started serving. And then all of a sudden, it's her baptism Sunday and she was one of the very first people in the history of our church to be baptized. And three years later, Keeley still loves Jesus. She still loves redemption. She's still active, involved, and she serves every single week because Keeley experienced life change. That life change comes from him, that's one story. Another story is a guy, he had just got out of prison and you know it's gonna be amazing when that's how you start a story. He just got out of prison. And this dude just got out of prison and he was, he was staying at one of the halfway houses who comes to Redemption Church and her, his friends invited him to church on that Sunday and he wasn't following Jesus at the time. Little did he know he was gonna give his life to Jesus that Sunday, he showed up, became a Christian and he thought what better way to start walking with Jesus than to take my first step in baptism. The same day he got saved is the same day he got baptized. That's incredible. And so as he was coming up into the tank, uh, we encountered a problem, though. He looked down and he said, you know, I'd love to be baptized. There's only one thing is I can't actually get in the water. And we're like, well, that's kind of how this works. Like, you got to you got to get in the the water. And he pointed down at his ankle, and he had an ankle monitor on. And so we're like, well, we don't want to get this guy saved to go back to prison. I mean, I don't want to do prison ministry from the inside. That's not good. And so we got to figure this out. Quite a predicament. And so some of the deacons, they put their heads together, and then they decided, well, here's what we'll do. We'll baptize him, and then we'll just lift his leg up at the same time. And so we get in the tank. And in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, splash, whoop, leg goes right up. Hey, but it still counts. It still counts. Amen? And then another story is my friend Kayla. Um, Kayla came to redemption for the very first time on Easter Sunday. And and as she she came to church, and she didn't have any family here. She didn't have any friends who were here. but, But Kayla, she comes to church on Easter Sunday, and she knew that this is where I needed to be at. As our family wasn't coming, her didn't have friends in here, her boyfriend was a devout militant atheist, wanted nothing to do with God, he wouldn't come. But she said, you know what? Easter Sunday, I need to be there. And so she drove downtown and she's sitting in the parking lot and she's kind of praying to the Lord. And she says, God, I, I am so nervous. I'm so anxious. I don't know if I really wanna to go to church. And But one of her big problems was she didn't know who Jesus was. And that's what she just kept saying. She says, I don't know who Jesus is. And so she prayed this last minute prayer and she said, God, can you just tell me who Jesus is and she got out of the car and she came in and worship and then as it came time for the sermon I jumped up on the stage and here's what I said first words out of my mouth who is Jesus that's the most important question you will ever ask yourself and some of you today have been asking yourself that very same question and Kayla's like Is this like a hidden game show thing? Like, did you listen to my conversation in, in, in the car? Now, the truth is, is I didn't know what she prayed, but the Lord did. I didn't know what she needed to hear, but the Lord did. I didn't know that she was gonna be there, but the Lord did. And I believe that Easter Sunday, he orchestrated that whole thing because he loved her so much. And that on Easter Sunday, she gave her life to Jesus, and then then her life had just began to continue to change. That she got involved in a community group, she started serving, she's even going through some leadership steps, and she's working in the kiddos in the back. I mean, God is just really just changing this girl's life. And over about a course of a year, that atheist boyfriend of hers really began to see God doing a great work in Her life, And so he said, well, there must be something more to this Jesus stuff. And so he decided he was going to come and he was going to see and check it out. And then as he started coming, it was probably a process about about three to four months. Eventually, he just realized, oh, I'm a Christian now. And he just gave his life to Jesus. And then God began to change his life because not only does Jesus change lives, Jesus also changes legacies. And then as his life began to change and her life began to change, all of a sudden he decided he's ready. He's going to take that first step in obedience and baptism. And then we just got to baptize Trevor not long ago. And Trevor stood in these waters. And as he was telling his story of baptism, here's what he said. He said, Kayla came to be baptized on Easter Sunday two years ago. And I wouldn't come because I hated God. And I was mad at him for taking her away from me. And I would not come to support her on her baptism day. And now here I am being baptized because Jesus had changed his life. And so we got the privilege to baptize Trevor. And as Trevor goes down in the water and he comes back and he says, Kayla, I never want to miss another opportunity to be able to grow in faith with you. And then he got down on his knee and he proposed to her on baptism Sunday. And they're getting married in like two weeks. So this is incredible. And there's story after story after story after story after story after story of people who've experienced life change through Jesus here at Redemption. And guess what? Today, there's going to be more stories of life change, more stories of people who meet Jesus, more stories of people who are saved by Jesus, more stories of people who believe the gospel and the good news of Jesus, and they've experienced life change that only comes from him. It's amazing and so here's what we're going to do i'm going to preach the bible i hope you're okay with that Do you like that? Well, if not, you came to the wrong church because we love the Bible here. So we're gonna preach the Bible and I'm gonna preach out of Romans chapter six. This is the big baptism Bible verse. I mean, this is the one people go to because this one really tells us what baptism is, who gets baptized, why we baptize, and what comes next after baptism. And so today we're talking about baptism. And so we're gonna turn to the apostle Paul and he's gonna teach the church in Rome the significance of baptism. And I want you to hear this because I want you to understand that this is something that is significant this is not only a celebration this isn't something nice that we do this isn't something fun this is something that is significant this is something that comes directly as a command from our lord and savior jesus and something that churches through two thousand years have participated in this isn't just like something that we're having fun for this is something that we've been commissioned and commanded to do this is great significance for us as a church So the Apostle Paul is going to teach us about baptism. And so I'm going to read it all up front. We're going to make a couple observations and then I want to answer five big questions about baptism coming from Romans chapter 6. Now let me say this. This is probably the most theological dense texts in all of the Bible and I don't have time to be able to explain all of it today because they gave me about 30 minutes and I only got like 18 left. So we're going to see how this works. So if I talk fast, I'm not speaking in tongues, but I am trying to do as quickly as I can. So here's here's what he's going to tell us about baptism. Here's how he says it. What shall we say then? So it's going to be a question, right? That's a lot of what we're going to be doing today, answering some questions. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may abound? What do you think? What do you think the answer is? Can we continue in sin so grace can abound? He says, by no means. How can we who have died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? So the first thing we see about baptism is that baptism is about death. He goes on, verse four, then we were Buried. So there's number two. It's about a burial. There's a death, there's a burial. We have been buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For we've been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a what's the word? Resurrection like his. Death, burial, resurrection. He died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you must also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. In the three years that we've been a church, we've had the great honor and privilege to baptize over 60 people. 60 people in three years. And this morning we baptized several more. At the last count that I had, we had 25 people who were being baptized today. And we're giving people the opportunity to be baptized, even if you didn't sign up, we have everything covered for you. And so we have the possibility to be able to baptize about 90 people in three years. That's what we're gonna see today. And here's why this is so important, is because we're a young church, we're a new church, And I want you to look around the room. That means almost half of the people who attend Redemption on a regular week are brand new believers. That the Lord is doing an amazing work in the life of our church. That more people are getting saved. They're meeting Jesus. They're getting connected in the church. And when you do come into the church, you probably have a lot of questions. Not everybody was raised in the church. Not everybody had praying parents or grandparents who took them to Awanas and were able to walk through the Romans Road with them. Not everybody had that opportunity. And when we come to redemption, I understand that there's a lot of people, you're brand new to faith, you have a lot of questions, and so I want to love you, I want to help you, I want to be able to serve you, and I want to be able to be your pastor. I don't assume anything, and so I'm going to answer some big questions you may have about baptism. Some of you are wondering, why are we all here for Baptism Sunday? right? How is baptism different than a normal Sunday? Why do I need to be baptized? What's the significance of baptism? What's the importance of baptism? Do I need to be baptized? Why does redemption make such a big deal about baptism? And so what I want to do is I want to just be able to pull out five big questions about baptism from this text. The first question is this. We need to ask ourselves, well, what is baptism? Paul just showed us what baptism is. Baptism's three things. The death, the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. Okay. That's the reason that we baptize. It's the death, it's the burial, and it's the resurrection of Jesus. Baptism, what's known as a sacrament. Okay. Every single Sunday, when you come to redemption, we open up the Bible, we preach God's word. That's called the gospel. That's whenever we tell you about who Jesus is, what Jesus does, and what it means for your life. We're telling you the gospel. But through the the sacraments, which are holy communion and baptism, we take communion every single week here at Redemption, that we break the bread and we dip it in the wine. That's how we're telling the gospel. Jesus' broken body, Jesus' shed blood for the remission of our sins. We're doing it in remembrance of him. We're showing the gospel. And then in baptism, what we're doing is we're showing the gospel. So in preaching, we're telling, and in baptism, we're showing. That's the reason that we call it a sacrament that is an outward display of an inward change that the Lord Jesus has done in our life. And so we see that Paul tells us what baptism is. He says it's about the death. It's about the burial, and it's about the resurrection of Jesus. Here's, here's what he says. He says, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? So it starts with death. You need to know that Jesus died. Okay, Jesus literally died. Not figuratively. It's not a piece of imagination. It's not just historically. Literally, Jesus Christ died. Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus leaves heaven, humbly enters into this world on a rescue mission to seek and to save the lost. That's you. That's me. We are lost. We are sinners separated from God, deserving of wrath that we are headlong into a path of wrath leading towards hell, completely, eternally separated from God forever in our sins. There is no one righteous, not even one. No one seeks God. No one is good. No one can reach God, but Jesus came down and he reached us. And so Jesus, he leaves heaven. He enters into this world and Jesus lives the perfect life. How many of you were perfect? Nobody? Exactly. Jesus was. Jesus comes. He lives the perfect life in your place. He lived the life without sin. Jesus comes and he dies in our place for our sins, receiving upon himself the due penalty, punishment of your sin. He takes it upon himself on the cross. Jesus, he died. He was arrested. He was tried. He was crucified. He was had his beard plucked from his face. He had a crown of thorns smashed into his head. Any Jesus, he was whipped, and he was beaten, and he was broken, and he was marred beyond any physical recognition. And the Roman centurions, they took a nail, railroad spikes, drove it through the most painful centers of the human body. He hung on a cross. He breathed his last breath just to make sure. They took a spear, shoved it through his side, ruptured his heart sack. Out of his side flows water and blood. Jesus Christ died. He's dead for you. And then they take Jesus' body and they lay it in a tomb. And just as Jesus died for you to cover your sins, they borrowed a tomb from a man named Joseph of Arimathea and they laid Jesus in the tomb, rolled the stone over the tomb and that signifies that just as Jesus died for your sins, he was buried for your sins. That your sins are buried, they're covered, that God no longer sees them. That your sins are covered in that grave. God doesn't see them, he doesn't remind you of them, he's not remembering them. They're done, they're dead, they're gone, they're buried, they're in that grave. It's about death it's about burial, but Jesus does something else. Jesus does something unexpected. He said he would do it, but nobody believed him. Jesus did something that no one in the history of the world has ever done or will ever do. See, people die all of the time. It's not a really big deal. Famous figures, world leaders, politicians, athletes, superstars, celebrities. People die all the time, but Jesus was not just any person. Jesus did something unique. Jesus did something different. Jesus did something that nobody ever did. Jesus not only was dead and buried, but Jesus also, he resurrected. That Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. And the resurrection is the reason for our celebration. The resurrection is the reason for Jesus' vindication. Everything he said he would do, Jesus did. Everything Jesus said he was, he is. Everything that Jesus said came true because we know of the resurrection of Jesus. And when you go public with your baptism, here's what you're saying. That Jesus' death is my death. That Jesus' burial is my burial. Jesus' resurrection is my resurrection. And I have new life with him forever. (laughs) Baptism is an outward expression of an inward change. You're letting the whole world know that Jesus is in me, and I'm gonna live for him, that Jesus died for me, and I'm gonna live for him, that Jesus rose for me, and I'm gonna live for him. It's a public demonstration of what Jesus has done in your life, an outward expression of an inward change, and this is the reason that we like to baptize publicly as a church, because we want the whole world to know. We want as many people to know. We wanna get the good news of Jesus out. tell your story. And so this is the reason that we baptize publicly, because it's a public profession of your faith. And it's an outward expression of an inward change. That's what baptism is. So here it is, right? It's the death, it's the burial, and it's the resurrection of Jesus. Well, the second question we have to answer is, how do we baptize? Here's what he says in verse four. We were buried, okay? Important word. Therefore, with him by baptism. All right, so there's a huge division in the church and it's over these two camps. They're called, they're called pedo-baptist and credo-baptist. Big, fancy, college word, pretend you're smart. You know what I'm talking about, right? You get your money's worth and this is free after all. So credo-baptist and, and pedo-baptist, we'll, we'll tackle each of these. The pedo-baptist, that means that they baptize infants. So this is like the Catholics and the Episcopalians and the Lutherans and Presbyterians. They believe that you should baptize infants. And then over here, you have the Assemblies of God and Baptist Evangelicals, non-denominational, and they're called Credo Baptists. At Redemption, we are Credo Baptists. Credo means believer's baptism, that it follows a public profession of faith that you repent, you believe, and then you are baptized. And so we do a believer's baptism, and we also do it by immersion, right? That means you go under the water. Now, let's just be fair. There are Christians, Jesus-loving, Bible-believing, spirit-filled people who do hold to that other camp, and we love them. We just think they're wrong. Like When we get to heaven, we're going to accept their apology. We're still going to be a family. But in the meantime, we just we disagree with them. And, and I'll tell you why, two reasons, Okay. two words. It says buried and baptized. Okay. Let's tackle the word buried first. Right, when you bury somebody, how far down do you bury them? as long as it takes, right? You go all the way, right? And that's the same word baptism means. It means buried. You don't just sprinkle some dirt on somebody who's dead and then just just walk away. No, so we don't sprinkle water on somebody who's been resurrected with Jesus and just walk away. So dead means buried. And then that word baptism, okay? In the Greek, which the Bible's written in, it's baptizo, which means to be immersed or to be submerged or to go Under the water. And so just the linguistics of the word indicates that it's to be up under the water. And so whenever a ship would sink, here's what they would say. That ship got baptized. Why? Because it went under the water. This is why we believe that it's a believer's baptism by Immersion. So here's, here's the reason why we don't baptize infants here at Redemption. We have, a, we have um, child dedications. We, we speak a blessing over the babies. And we love to do that. But we don't baptize them, one, because it's not biblical. Two, it's just kind of mean. I mean, if we were to baptize biblically infants, it would be a mess. They're like, hey, here's my sweet little baby. And Jacqueline comes up, and she's holding the baby. And it's got the big bow and the nice frilly dress. The grandparents are all lined up. They got their little cameras. And the dad's right here. And the mom hands it to me. And she's crying. And I say, may the Lord bless you and keep you. And may... What did you do to my baby? Right? I'm just being biblical. It's got to go under. So I'm just trying to do what the Bible tells me to do. Right? All of a sudden, the grandparents are freaking out. The dad wants to punch me. We're on the news. It's trending. Pastor tries to drown a baby. What kind of church is that? Bad news, bad news, bad news. We don't want to do it. And so we don't baptize. We don't baptize babies here. I love you. Some of you, you were baptized as an infant. You have praying parents, grandparents who did the best for you. But That's not what baptism is. I love you, but that's not what baptism is. Here, what we see is this. We see that a baptism follows a profession of faith. So when you're a baby, you can't be like, I love the Lord Jesus. You can't do that, right? And so it's a profession of faith, of an inward work, outwardly shown, and then you're to follow the Lord Jesus in baptism under the water, okay? So that's how how we baptize. The next one is this. Why do we baptize? Here's, here's what he says, that we too might walk in newness of life. I want you to know something. Okay. Baptism does not save. Some people think baptism saves. Some people come from different backgrounds or denominations that tell you if you're not baptized, you're going to go to hell. That you have to be baptized in order to be saved. And some people would even say you have to be baptized in order to come to this church. And let me just tell you this straight up. Baptism does not Save. I meet people all the time they're like I want to go to heaven so I have to be baptized. Baptism does not save. Here's what baptism is. Baptism is a symbol of saving faith. We aren't baptized to be saved. We are baptized because we already are saved. It is a symbol of saving faith. So let me give you an illustration. Right, this is a wedding ring. Right, my finger's fatter than the day I got married. I probably should've took it off before the sermon started. But this is a wedding ring. Now, now this ring it symbolizes my devotion to my wife. This ring doesn't make me married. The commitment that I had to my wife is what makes me married. That my life and her, we decided that, that I was going to give the rest of my life loving her, helping her, serving her, blessing her, protecting her, that I was going to provide for her, that I was going to be the husband that God created me to be for my wife, and I had nothing more than self to living my life with her. That's where our marriage comes from. This ring is nothing more than just a symbol of the marriage that we have. And so baptism is very much just like a wedding ring. It's the wedding ring of your faith that you are showing the world a commitment that you've made to the Lord. That you're going to walk with Jesus, you're going to love Jesus, you're going to serve Jesus, you're going to follow Jesus, that you believe in Jesus and you belong to Jesus. So you're going to live the rest of your life with Jesus. And so it's a symbol, just like a wedding ring is a symbol of the marriage, or the wedding itself is a symbol of the marriage. So, to baptism and Baptism Sunday is a symbol of your salvation. And this is the reason that I believe that baptism should take place within the church. I was talking with one girl, and she had just became a Christian. We were doing baptisms, and she said, Pastor, I don't feel like I need to be baptized. And I said, well, 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 can you explain that to me? She said, well, actually, I was already baptized. And I said, oh, okay. Well, she's a new believer, so I just wanted to kind of hear this. And she said, you know what? I actually was baptized two weeks ago. And I thought, hmm, that's interesting. Tell me a little bit more about it. She said, well, the other day I was taking a shower, and it was just me and God, and I was just like, why don't I just get baptized now? And so I baptized myself. And I was like, mm, I don't think you can two-in-one condition your sins away like that. That's not, that's not how this works. You and Pert Plus is not how the church was meant to be. Mm, that's not how it works. You can't baptize yourself. right? In the same way you can't marry yourself. I know it's the 21st century, and you're like, maybe I can. Okay, You can't. And you also can't baptize yourself. It's going to take other people. That's why Paul here says that we too, not you too, not, not, not me too, but rather we too. That we too, together, in unity, in community, as a family, might walk in newness of life. It's going to take other people for you to walk in this newness of, of life. And so why we baptize is that I believe that baptism is not just for the believer, but baptism is also for the body. When I say that you should be baptized in a church, I don't mean the building I mean within the body, because baptism is not just for the believer. Baptism is also for the body, that when you are stepping in this water, you are encouraging our church. When you step in this water, you are letting our church know that what they do is making a difference in your life. And for those of you who are not being baptized today, whenever you see somebody step in that water, here's what I want you to think. Life change is possible because I love my church that this person's life is being changed because I give, because I serve, because I work with the kiddos. I'm giving the single mom the opportunity to be able to step in those waters because I greet at the front door somebody who nobody talked to all week long and maybe it was the hardest week of their life and nobody said they loved them or thank you for anything. They walked through that door and they saw me and I shook their hand, had a big smile on my face and I said, I'm glad you're here. And that changed their life. This is the reason that we give. This is the reason that we serve. This is the reason that we're in community groups. And so when someone steps in that water, I want you to know that it's possible because of your love, your care, your support, your generosity, and because of your prayers for your church. That life change is happening. And baptism is not just for the believer, but it's also for the body. This is why it's so incredibly important for us to understand that as a church, we're a family. Just as a brand new couple needs a family around them to be able to help them, bless them, encourage them, speak life to them, maybe slap them upside the head when they're being idiots, so you and me, we're to be the family for these new believers. Because baptism is not just for the believer, but it's also for us together as a body. So that's the reason that we baptize. That's how we baptize. And that's why we baptize. And here's what number four says. Who do we baptize? Here's where I'm going to go from preaching to meddling. You're welcome. What shall we say then? Are we to continue? Just notice the language here. All of us we were buried. We too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him, we believe that we will, we know. So you also must consider yourselves, plural. I want you just to notice the language here. Paul here, he says, we. He's talking about Christians. So the question is, who do we baptize? The answer is Christians, If you're not a Christian, nothing magical in these waters. It's not going to help you. Okay, you can give your life to Jesus then get in them then it's going to be amazing but other than that you're not a Christian please don't be baptized okay as Christians we are to be baptized so if you believe in Jesus put your hope and trust and faith in Jesus profess your sins and and you receive salvation from him, then then you're free to be baptized. We baptize Christians. Now, some of you, you have been baptized. Others of you, you have not been baptized. If you are a Christian and you have not been baptized, I love you, and let me say this as clearly as I can, you're being disobedient. If you're a Christian and you have not been baptized, you're being disobedient. The truth is, is that we are to baptize Christians. And and some people would say, but Byron, didn't you just say earlier that baptism doesn't save? And so I guess I don't need to be baptized because, well, what's the point? I'm already going to go to heaven, so I don't really need to be baptized. I love you again, but let me say this. Why do you want to do the bare minimum to get by whenever God has so much more for you? Why would you only want to do the bare minimum so little in the Christian life when God has so much more in store for you in your life? The truth is the Bible knows nothing of a Christian that has not been baptized. You're not going to find it in there, right? You're never going to be able to find some excuse or justification for your disobedience towards the command of baptism. You're like, well, what about the thief on the cross? Well, if you're hanging on a cross next to Jesus on your last day, then we'll talk about it, but that's not your excuse right? Think about it. The first thing Jesus does before he enters in his public life and ministry is he's baptized. If Jesus needed to do it, how much more do you need to do it? And the last words that Jesus said to his disciples, go make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We as a church have a command from God to baptize. That trumps your excuses, Right, so Jesus then it continues on through the book of Acts. Peter stands up on Pentecost, he preaches, he says, Repent, believe, and be baptized. 3,000 people were baptized in a single day. I don't think our tank is big enough to handle that, right? But if that day comes, we're gonna give it a shot. 3,000 people baptized in a single day. And it just continues through the book of Acts because Philip meets the Ethiopian eunuch. He's like, well, there's some water. Let's go ahead and get this done. And then he just dunks him. Cornelius, entire family gets baptized. The church at Colossae, the church in Corinth. I mean, it's just baptism, 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 baptism because the Bible knows nothing of a Christian who is not baptized. Every single Christian from the history of the world has stood in these waters. That Christians for 2,000 years, every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every place on the planet, every ethnicity, every income level, every race, every gender has stood in those waters. What makes you think you're any different? What makes you think that you are the exception? What makes you think that God will give special privileges to you that he has not given to anyone over the course of all of human history? When you stand in those waters, you are taking your place in the legacy and the lineage that of life change, this world has never seen before or after. Some estimate that 10 billion people have become Christians since the resurrection of Jesus, and each one of them has stood in those waters. And so when you step in that water, you are taking your rightful place in the family, in the body of Christ, and you're saying, "Yet those faithful men have come before me, and I'm going to stand in the gap. I'm going to hold my line. I'm going to be in my family for the ones who are coming after me. You take your place. Say, but Pastor Byron, I didn't know I was getting baptized today. We talked to God. He told us you were, right? You're like, oh, I wasn't prepared. We came prepared for you, right? We got shorts, Spirit. He let us We got a towel. You don't got an excuse. Be ready to be baptized. You're like, but I didn't know. The Holy Spirit, He let us know. He said that if you knew, you weren't going to come. And so He tricked you. So welcome to redemption. We're glad you're here. <laughs> Say, well, I want my family. Hey, we're your family. You say, well, I don't want people to look at me. Too bad. They already are. God's looking at you. He sees everything. Come on, get baptized anyway. What's your excuse? You ain't got one. And so we want you to be, to be baptized. We're going to give you a moment in, in, in just a sec, which brings us to the final question. What comes after baptism? So baptism days come and gone. Right, We're all gathered around, everybody's cheering, everybody's celebrating, you go out to eat at Chili's, the deacons, they unload the water, and then all of a sudden, what comes next? Do I just get up and go to work the next day? Right, do I tuck the kids in at night? Do I read them a bedtime story? What happens when my boss starts calling? Right? What happens when the kids start screaming? What happens when me and my family we keep getting in a fight? Tuesday comes around, it's community group, and I don't really feel like it. And then I get my serve team schedule and planning center and I don't know if I want to go. What do I do after baptism? Great question. Very important. Here's what Paul says. After baptism, we know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives for God. Baptism is just the first step. Baptism is just the beginning of the Christian life. See, some of you come here and you're like, but I don't know if I could be baptized because I didn't take a class. You don't have to take a class. It's the first step. You say, but I haven't been following Jesus long enough. Okay, doesn't matter. First step. You're like, but I don't know apologetics. Doesn't matter. First step. Right? Baptism is just the first step. I don't have my life together. Nope. First step. That's it. First step. Right? Baptism is the first step in following Jesus. And then you have to take a next step. When you follow Jesus, there's always, always a next step. Right? So baptism, first step. What do you call the next step? Here's what we see. It's this four-letter word, very important. It's called life. Any of y'all have one of those? It's confusing, isn't it? All right, life, after baptism comes life. He says, the life you live, you live for God. So after baptism comes life. You keep following Jesus. You keep following after him. This means that you read your Bible, you pray, you kiss your wife, you walk your dog, you raise your kids, you pay your taxes. You just keep living your life. But now it's a life lived for God. You just keep living your life. That's what it means for you to follow Jesus, that all of your life comes under the lordship of Jesus Christ and your life is now lived for him. Because here's the important thing, is that very soon life will kick in. Very soon, reality will set in. Very soon, you will be disappointed. You will be discouraged. You will feel defeated. You will begin to experience life. And what do you do when the waters of baptism dry? See, it's easy for you to follow Jesus when you're in the water. What do you do when the waves of life come crashing down all around you? It's easy to follow Jesus when there's a party, but what do you do when there's pain? It's easy to follow Jesus when there's a celebration, but what do you do when there's suffering and everything is falling apart? The answer is you just keep following him because the life you live now, you live for God. And listen, some of you, you've been baptized a long time ago, right? You're just living your life now. Maybe it's been decades, maybe it's been months, maybe it's been years since your baptism. My question for you is, are you still honoring the commitment you made on your baptism day? Don't just think about them. I want you to think about you for a minute. Are you still living the life for God? Are you still living the commitment that you made in the public declaration that you made before God and everybody in your church? Are you still living your life for God? Just think about your baptism. You need to think about your baptism Some of you, you've been baptized for a very long time. And here's what I know. It's been a long time since you thought about it. Now, let me ask you this. Are you still passionate about Jesus as today, as you were the day you met him? Are you still on fire for Jesus today, the same way that you were on the day that you met him? Can you remember your baptism day? Do you remember what it was like to be a brand new Christian? Do you remember the excitement that you had? You want everybody to know, I love Jesus. Jesus loves you. And you're telling everybody, everybody at work, everybody at college, the person at Walmart, you're just talking to people about Jesus. Do you remember that excitement? Do you remember that passion? Well, truth is, you don't have to lose that. The same passion you had in this water is the same passion available to you through the Holy Spirit. You don't have to lose your passion. Though the waters of baptism may dry, your passion never has for you. And then since the beginning, God has more in store for you. And then some of you today, you're being baptized. My encouragement for you is that you surround yourself with other people. That you would allow other people to come and speak to you because very soon you're going to be defeated. Very soon you're going to be discouraged. Very soon life is going to set in and you're going to feel like what you did today didn't count. You're going to feel like what you did today didn't matter. What do you feel like today didn't make a difference because you're still going back to the same things. You're still repeating those same patterns and it's going to feel very soon like, like, like it's so complicated. Truth is, life is complicated. And what comes after baptism? The answer is life. You need to be around some other people to be able to help you so that we too might walk in this newness of life. And I want to leave you with this because it's so incredibly important. Contained within these verses is something so powerful that I think many people need to be able to hold on to. So I'm going to read this to you and I'm going to leave you with this final thought. And here's what the Apostle Paul says in verse 9 He says, We know that Christ, being raised, From the dead. Some of you, you feel like you are helpless when it comes to this new life. That you try and you fail and you try and you fail and you try and you fail and it doesn't seem like it's working. And so you feel trapped or you feel helpless or you feel powerless when it comes to this new life. And I I just want to encourage you. I just want to bless you and I want to leave you with this. Jesus. Friends, this is so important because many of you, you felt helpless and bound when it comes to your sin. You hear me and you say, Pastor Byron, that's amazing. New life with Jesus, but I feel helpless. I feel hopeless. I feel like all I am is bound to continue to live in that old life. Nothing in my life seems to change. Talk about life change through Jesus, but I'm not seeing it happen in my life. I want you to know that that's not true. That it is working and the spirit is at work in you and you are maturing and you are growing and you are not a victim, you are not held back nor a slave mastered by your sin. So here's what most people do. When it comes to living this new life, most people, they fall into two ways. Some people accept their sin. Some people, they celebrate their sin. Some people, you've just come to a place where you accept it. You say, well, our grandpa's a big, fat, filthy sinner. I'm nothing more than a sinner. This is the way my dad was. This is the way my grandpa was. I guess this is the way that I am and this is the way that it's always going to be. And so I'm just a sinner, lowly wretch that I am, and so I'm just gonna walk around, kick rocks, and I'm probably gonna sin again. I'm just, I'm not a place where I just accept it. This is the way that it is. Others of you, you just, you just celebrate it. You're like, well, this is me. Accept me, just how I am, right? I took a personality test. I'm an ENFP, J-E-R-K. This is just the way that I was born. This is, this is the way that it is. You can throw me a big party. We'll have a parade. And so then you start celebrating your sin. Paul says there's actually a third choice, that you don't accept it, you don't celebrate it. Instead, you kill it that Jesus came to die the death for sin so that you can put your sin to death. There is a way for your sin to be put to death. There is a way for you to overcome temptation. There is a way for you to overcome sin. There is a way for you to walk in newness of life. And his name is Jesus Christ. Jesus came to die the death for sin so that way you can, here's what we're sin to death. Don't accept it, don't celebrate it kill it. So here's what we're going to do today. Today we are going to have a funeral. You need to kill your sin. Tell that old self, you are dead to me. Tell your guilt, you are dead to me. Tell your shame, you are dead to me. Tell your condemnation, you are dead to me. And when that old nature tries to rise up, you turn to him and you kill him and you say, you are dead and gone and buried because I have a new life with Jesus now and forever. Tell that old man, you are dead.